Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. episode of GTF Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia and boy we've got a lot to talk about but two quick announcements before I bring Greg in is number one last night was the premiere of Bears Country podcast here on the Barroom Network. Now the NFL got angry at us because we showed some video from a past game where someone threw a object usually used for sexual purposes on the field and they didn't like that and so they want us to remove it. I'm going to do so and then repost the show so please check out Bears Country podcast with Mr. Shorty and his special guest Dan Aguirre and Cliff Victoria. Now, the second announcement is tonight on the Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls show, we've got three very special guests, and those are the co-hosts of the Bears Girl Bears Girls podcast. It is Heidi, it is Nosley, and it is, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to mess up her name. <laughs> i got to look it up. <laughs> it is uh, Almis, three Spanish-speaking uh, podcasters who covered the Chicago Bears. We're going to have them speak English, and I will do some translating if necessary. So that should be funny. And that all starts at 8 p.m. Central tonight. Now, without further ado, let me bring in the man of the hour, Greg Gabriel. How are you, my friend? Well, better than I was yesterday. Well, tell us what <laughs> happened yesterday. No. no I, 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 I had a little surgical procedure. But mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about it. Not okay. on the air. All right. <laughs> but you were feeling a little loopy, perhaps, because of the anesthesia. And so we decided, let's do the show Tuesday. Uh, this Bears victory is still going to be fresh on our minds. Right? <laughs> Every time there's a win, it's fresh. I hear you. I hear you. All right. I am going to start with the absolute first question that everyone is asking. Why were you so confident the Bears we're going to beat the 49ers because everyone in the chat room is saying, Greg predicted it. Greg predicted it. Why were you so confident and, and what transpired that fulfilled your confidence? Well, that's a good question. I, I, I felt, you know, I watched a couple preseason games from San Francisco. I did not think Trey Lance was very good. Uh, they have a great team, but then Kittle was going to be out. And then when you go back and, and actually the weather forecast started to, to change during the week and you saw that it was going to be heavy rain, I thought that that would nullify any speed advantage that the, the 49ers had on, on offense. I didn't think the conditions were going to be that bad. In fact, the day before it said up to a half inch of rain and more like two inches fell mm -hmm. and maybe even more than that. So, I, I mean, that, that was crazy, but, I liked the the way the Bears played during the preseason, their disciplined football. Now, granted, preseason and regular season are two different animals, but 
just the way they approached the game and that discipline they showed in the first three preseason games carried over to the game on Sunday. So it was, um, you, you really got a, a fair look. And then I think, you know, I think some of these guys, you know, they hear all the, the negative comments of the national media. They're, mm-hmm. you know, riles their feathers a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think that just gave them a little bit of an edge. Now, the game didn't start real, real great for the Bears. Um, you know, S- San Francisco, first time they had the ball, was driving right down the field until uh, we uh, Jalen Johnson forced the turnover. Uh, and the offense wasn't doing anything. In fairness to the offense, you know, they were they were always backed up near their goal line for almost every drive start in the, in the first half. And I got to say this, too. And both teams played in the weather. So, you know, you can't – San Francisco can't and, – and the national media are using that excuse. You know, oh, it was the weather. No, it's not. Both teams had a play in it. But the weather like it was on Sunday is a passing game's nightmare. Mm-hmm. You know, if you watch it, and, and I rewatched the game uh, this morning because um, I wasn't really capable yesterday. And <laughs> the, you know, the, the footing, especially for receivers to make sharp cuts, just wasn't there. There were times when they had a, really chop their feet to make a cut. And that just gives the defensive back a huge advantage mm-hmm. because, you know, it was really difficult. And that worked on both sides. It was really difficult for the receivers to get any type of separation, you know, unless there was a, a, a miss coverage. And so, uh, and then on top of that, the ball slips a lot, right? you know, so it, it's tough to make a, a, a good throw you double catch the balls. It just, it, it, it becomes a run game mm. and then you're slopping around and then it's going to be who, who wins at the trenches. Now, San Francisco controlled the, the line of scrimmage for the first part of the game, but the, the bears made adjustments. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys, you know, strapped their pants on and they played a lot better. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, I, I, I tweeted this out and then I, I wrote it for, uh, Windy City Gridiron for this morning would be out a little later this morning. I, I thought the Bears dom- totally dominated the second half of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, it was uh, San Francisco got a little bit of a drive the first time they had the ball. They got a field goal. But after that, it was all Bears. I want to play uh, uh, two or three uh, sound bites from yesterday's okay. Matt Eberflus press conference. I'm going to start with this one because – Immediately after the game, I started crediting the Chicago Bears coaching staff first and foremost for that victory. I really love what they have done. As you said, the discipline that they've instilled in this team is remarkable. The fact that they had so few penalties during the preseason with such an array of new players on this team and a new coaching staff is remarkable. And one of the media members asked uh, – Matt Eberflus about adjustments because at halftime there were some adjustments made and this is what he said this was very interesting it's 50 seconds long because we really make adjustments every series you know we're always in-game adjusting as we go you just have a little bit more time in the halftime you know you got your 10 minutes or you know depending on the game but uh, the guys just did a nice job you know we do we have a nice operation at halftime 
We give a lot of information to the players. It's very organized. Uh, offenses on one side, defenses on another. The information's coming from the booth up top from two or three different guys, and they present it out to the, to the offense and defense. Then the coordinators take over, and they do a nice job of giving the information of what we're going to do next. What's our plan going in? What's our adjustments? And it makes it very clear and concise for the players. Well, was it effective enough yesterday that it was kind of an indicator that this coaching unit uh, you know, ha- will have some, some consistent advantage of being able to be better in the second half than the first? Uh, I think by just by being organized will help us have a, have a be consistent, being organized. Yep. Greg, that to me is top notch coaching what's your reaction to what he said well number one although that's the way it's supposed to be mm-hmm. that's the way good organizations are run um and you know when when you get in conditions like they had on sunday you got to throw out the game plan you're starting from scratch because what you want to do and what you can do are two different things you know the the, the condition actually condition of the field as far as tightness and not getting torn up was pretty good but that that's what bermuda grass does and bermuda the way you know grows like a weed so it you know you just where where the divots are you throw a little sand down it's covered up within a matter because it spreads Mm -hmm. it's not like you got to get new growth and uh you know look two weeks when they come back for the next game it'll look like nobody's ever played on it before you know so and and that's just the way you know, Bermuda, or uh, yeah, Bermuda is, but uh, that thing when you had, you know, the, the the sloppy field with the water, just the water on the field, and and you couldn't make sharp cuts, and and uh, uh, sometimes it was it was tough for players on both sides of the ball to do to use what's the right way to put this to use their natural athleticism to their advantage. And so, you know, now it becomes, and, and we, Jerry used to say this when, when we were working at, at Hallis Hall, that this league, a lot, a lot of teams are pretty equal when you look at the talent across the board. Yeah, one team might have a great quarterback or whatever, but a lot of teams, there's not a big difference in, in talent level, except for a couple guys. But coaching makes a huge difference. It's sure. a coach's league. Mm-hmm. And the teams with the best coaching staffs who can get the most out of their players, you know, end up doing the best job. Now, you know, the bears still quite aren't where they want to be talent level. Why a lot of it is, is, you know, I, I said that wrong. It's not even the talent. They've got some really talented players. They're young and inexperienced. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to take some time. And the only way you get experience is to get in the damn game and play. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and get your ass whooped a couple times. And, and uh, you know, Braxton Jones, he got, you know, that first pass play, he got mauled by, by Bosa. One more time it happened. After that, you know, he more than held his own. Yep. You know, and, and you learn by your, your mistakes and, and learning, your, you know, how to, how to play the position, how to keep good position on the opponent. You know, and and you got the people up in the box, you got the people down in the booth, they can see what he did wrong on a rep that got him beat. And so then he can come back and and fix that. I think with Bosa, you got to stab him. Personally, I think you got to stab him a little bit at the 
at the line of scrimmage, take away that that forward momentum that he has. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's a he's a smart player, and and I I wrote this for my column today. So the real good news for Braxton Jones is it's downhill from here. He's not going to play a guy that good the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, uh, Dominique Robinson was also another uh, highlight from this rookie uh, team. They had 13 of the 15 rookies uh, dressed for game day. and They all played, too. They all played. And Matt Eberflus was asked specifically about Dominique Robinson, but this is what he's, he he didn't cite Dominique Robinson at all. This is what he said. Uh, it was good by really all the rookies. I mean, you look at the way the rookies performed, uh, you know, from the punter to our nickel to Dominic to, to uh, you know, all the guys, you know, all the guys that played. Braxton, you know, they all played well. Um, and that's really a tribute to Ryan Poles and his staff bringing the guys in here. Uh, that have the the maturity to be able to handle an NFL game and the coaches getting them ready. Um, And then the guys going out there and doing it. But uh, yeah, I I was happy with all the rookies. I, I am happy that he pointed out that entire rookies, it's a collective effort. It's a team effort to win football games like that. And it's another mark of why I am falling in love with Matt Eberflus. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, we, it's only one game. Everybody's going to be, you know, if they go up to Green Bay on Sunday and <laughs> please see down their leg, people might be a little different next week. But, <laughs> you know, that, that, that's the way it is. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I'll tell you, did you watch Green Bay on Sunday? They were horrible. They were really bad. Yes. That's the worst. And I, I tweeted out, I said, I don't think I ever recall seeing. Aaron Rodgers take the beating that he took. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you think that that drop pass on the very first play of their offensive series, the drop pass by second round pick Christian Watson, would, would have been a sure touchdown had he hauled that on? He was wide open. Do you think that changed the complexion in the game? Because then I think uh, they were down seven to nothing. Then it's seven to seven. They've got some momentum scoring after just one play. Or do you think it was a fait accompli that they would have got to Rodgers and they would have uh, lost, the Packers would have lost that game somehow, some way? Well, you know what? That, that happened. So you can't change the fact that it happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you can't change the complexity of the game. Uh, who knows what would have happened if, if they – scored on, on that play, but Rogers went off. I, I read some stuff where I, one thing I read yesterday, I guess Rogers went over uh, to Watson on the bench and just tore him a new rear end. Wow. And, 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 you know, said to him, I'm never going to throw to you again. Wow. You know, and, and I, you know, I, I used to admire Aaron Rodgers. I think he's a total asshole now. Thank you. I really do. Yeah. I, I, I just think he's a selfish prick. Excuse my language. And he cares about Aaron Rodgers and doesn't care about anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's become weird in the last year. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just a weird person. But, hey, is is what it is. The talent level is still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I tweeted out jokingly, I don't know if you saw it, I said, Maybe all these years it was Devontae Adams. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see when Alan Lazard gets back because he's a player that you and I both coveted uh, as a potential free agent acquisition. Of course, he was a restricted free agent. The Packers weren't going to let him go. But uh, Lazard should make a difference for that wide receiver core. But uh, that that really is a sad yeah, but he's, he's not a number one, and he's never was going to be a number one. Yeah. 
well, Rodgers was walking around with a T-shirt saying, Lazard is my number one. I think he might have to throw that T-shirt away <laughs> by the middle of the season. We'll see if he's really a number one or not. All right, I want to show you um, uh, Eberflus breaking down the touchdown play to Equinemius St. Brown. This is He was asked about what were the particulars uh, of that play from a defensive coordinator's point of view. He's a former, of course, defensive coordinator. This is what he said. And then afterwards, I'm going to show the play again uh, so that you can break it down. Here it comes. I think that it's, you know, it's almost like a flood route, you know, when you look at it. It was a, con- you know, condensed formation. And then they take, you know, obviously EQ had the high, the high route, you know, but you brought, you know, Pringle underneath and again, another guy to the flat. So I think that creates confusion for the corner. And, you know, if it was, and again, I'm not in their playbook. I don't know exactly what it was, but it's either the corner had to slough off on EQ or somebody was uh, had a misdeal in, in man-to-man. So I'm not quite sure what exact coverage they're in. But, uh, um, yeah, it creates a lot of problems for sure. All right, here's the play. And I think he was wrong. It's It's the tight end. Number 84, I guess that's Ryan Griffin, who right. attracts all of this attention. I'll play the play, and you can take it away. Well, you might have to play it a couple times. Absolutely. You can, you can do that. Sure. So there's uh, the, the – um, Well, you got you got a semi-pick going on there. I mean, they're mm-hmm. not – they're crossing, but they're, they're not the, – the, the tight end isn't taking somebody out. He really has two open guys. Yes, he does. He's got he's got he's got a touchdown over on the left side of the field too. He sure does. <laughs> you know, so I mean, it, it was take your pick and mm-hmm. and look at all the defenders. They had five defenders on the right side of the field, and and uh, EQ was still wide open. Mm-hmm. It's but amazing. I think that's Pringle who was crossing the field to the left. That is correct. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there was nobody near him. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he didn't get a touchdown, he was getting down to about the five. Right. You know, sure. So, it, it, so it, it, it was a winning combination. But see, the play starts off like a running, like it looks like it might be a running play. Mm-hmm. The way the receivers go out it looks like they're going to try to block mm-hmm. those those defenders, and then they break into a route. And I think that might have caused a little bit of confusion too, because it was like a half-ass play-action type play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that helped, but a lot of guys open. I mean, it was probably one of the, 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 and, and not a, you know, they had that, that scramble play where, where Pettis got the touchdown. That's a different story, but just a play from scrimmage. That was one of the best of the game for the bears. Yeah. And I love the decision-making by Justin there because, I hate to bring up that other quarterback that we had who had a, a, an excellent performance in Pittsburgh, but he probably would have gone that shorter route with the wide open guy. But Justin was thinking deep first and then bring it back down. And he did a great job of reading the safeties and defensive backfield. And I, I was just very proud of the decision-making by our young quarterback there. Well, you know, although if you go back to his time at Ohio state, that's the way he thinks. Mm. He th- he's always thinking big play first. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that gets in trouble because it takes a long time to get the big play or it takes longer amount of time to get the big play. When you can get the ball out of your hand, the, the, you know, the, the job is to really move the chains. Yeah. And if it's moving the chains, getting 15, 18 yards versus 30 yards or however long that, that play was, 
you know, fine. He, he, he made the right decision there, but sometimes it does get him in trouble. We got to be honest about that because he ends up, and I think earlier in the game, he was holding on to the ball too long mm-hmm. and not getting out of his hand. Now, granted, the weather had something to do with that. I don't think he was sure of his footing, sure of his, his ability to throw the ball. Um, but once he got a little comfortable, and it took a while, it really was the final drive in the first half before he got really comfortable, that, uh, you know, he started throwing the ball a lot better. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Getze was intentionally conservative in that first half? Number one, because of the weather conditions. And number two, the Bears were plagued by poor field position. They couldn't pick up any first downs to try to flip the field. But they're so there. The first four series for San Francisco all started either on their own, like, 45-yard line or in Bears territory. And the fact right. that the right. defense yeah. allowed only one touchdown was huge. You know, I, I, I can't answer that. I thought, in my personal opinion, they were running the ball on first down a little too much. Mm-hmm. You know, that even if it's a short pass and pick up five, so now you've got instead of second and eight, you got second and five. Right. You know, and and, and you're staying uh, in control of the down and distance situation. You're staying on schedule. So, but, you know, I, I'm i not there. I'm sitting in my, my family room watching the game, and I'm not sitting there getting drenched and, and you know, <laughs> feeling the wind and, and – Trust me, I played. In fact, it, it's funny. I had another tweet. I, I said the preliminary forecast for Green Bay is rain again, and I, that I put on it um, hashtag, hashtag the Chicago Mudders. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> my junior year in college, six of our ten games were played in rain, mm-hmm. and and some horrible field conditions. And we got pretty damn good at it. You know, because that's all we were playing like every other week. We were playing in rain and on a horrible field. So um, you can do it, but you've got to have um, a high concentration level. you got to secure the ball. You know, they had, they had the one turnover, the interception, almost had another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the key. Don't turn the damn ball over. It really is and force turnovers and and in games like that, in, in, in conditions like they had on on Sunday, you know I'm almost amazed there wasn't six or seven total turnovers mm-hmm. in the course of the game because yeah. generally speaking that happens in games like that the ball just guys just don't hang on to the ball. Yep. Um, you know, one of the things about the conditions that Eberflus talked about was, is that they spent a lot of time talking about it amongst the coaches, what to do, what to game plan for it, and talking to the players about the spikes and gloves and so forth. And I know, uh, every NFL team does it, but the way Eberflus explained it is that they, it felt to me like they spent perhaps more time focused on what the weather conditions might, how the weather fix, uh, conditions might affect the game. And that was another uh, another point for Eberflus in, in my love column for him. <laughs> you know, I, I was wondering, because like I said, I started checking the weather on Wednesday. Right. And it it called for, for rain, but like I said, heavy rain, but maybe up to a half an inch. And but then 
and it stayed consistent. It wasn't changing. Sometimes you'll say something on Wednesday and then, you know, the wind changes a little bit and what the forecast was, was going to be the same, but this one stayed consistent through the rest of the week. And, and it was hot and sunny here all week, mm-hmm. but I wondered if, if, and then I got to tell you this, if they were soaking up the ball anyway in practice, just trying to play with a wet ball. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to go to a question in the chat room regarding our run blocking. Uh, it's from Dented Fender. What did you think of our run blocking? And what did you think of uh, the Tevin Jenkins, Lucas Patrick rotation that went on? Number one, I think the rotation worked really well. And if you go back and you look at it, Patrick no, missed all preseason. Missed like six weeks of practice, five and a half weeks of practice. He played damn well. Mm-hmm. Really good. And he's playing with a cast on. So you can't, you know, offensive linemen are, are taught to grab inside here, you know, and, and you can't do that with one hand. Right. So you got a punch belt more and, and he's a right-handed guy. So that's his dominant hand that, that uh, so that makes it difficult for him, but he played well. And I think that gives Tevin a, an opportunity to not only play, and he played like five more snaps than, than, um, the other guy did, and and I, I think you know when he's out and he's watching, he gets to to learn see how Patrick is handling because they're going against the same people. See mm-hmm. how he's he's handling things now. You know the weather the way it was. I think the the 49ers knew the Bears were going to try to run the ball, and and they were playing eight men in the box almost all the time. So it gets very difficult to run the ball. And, you know, you know, you know, the, the, uh, you know, start off. And I don't know, I'm backtracking a little bit here, but okay. San Francisco's first drive and they play that same outside zone scheme. Mm-hmm. So did you see what they were doing? They were running wide every play to get the, the bears to run laterally. And they had some success. Right. The Bears weren't really doing that. They were trying to run more inside. Um, but I thought that was good play calling on San Francisco's part. Mm-hmm. Number one, when you're playing, your feet get heavy in that wet turf, you know, a lot easier than than in a dry game. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, making them have to run like that can, can have an effect on their stamina later in the game. Now, in this game, it didn't happen. And for whatever reason, San Francisco got away from, from it because they did have success with it in the first half, especially in the first quarter. Uh, I wish the Bears would have tried some of that myself, but, you know, they they had a different idea. The, the bottom line is they won the freaking game, and they won it after facing adversity in the first half because they didn't play good in the first half. You know, they played like it was the first game under a new coaching staff, and they were a little bit timid. And I'll tell you what was interesting, you know, listening to, to Floosh yesterday was, um, now he won't tell you how many loafs they give out, but I, I think in the preseason there wasn't a whole lot, but mm-hmm. I think there was, a, even they, they played hard, mm-hmm. but there was plays when I'm watching the game and I'm going, that guy's going to get hit with a loaf. That guy's going to get hit with a loaf. And, you know, and he said, 
and he kind of mentioned it without saying names. Right. And that is a really good teaching tool because it's, it's done within the group Mm -hmm. and nobody wants to get pointed out. Yep. You know, so that's going to make you that much more aware next week up in green Bay that I got to go snap to whistle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he said that there were a couple of guys. In fact, let me play that. I, it's a 30-second soundbite. Here it comes. You know, if you were in 55 plays and you had 20 loafs, you know, that's not, not a good outing. So, and, and there's a couple of guys that had that, uh, but we got to do a better job with that. We also had reward guys. You know, you're in a 90, 90% club. So if you're in uh, 10 plays and you only loaf one time, uh, that's you're in the 90% club. You know, so th- that's a hard club to be into for the whole season. Uh, we'll uh, give that award out at the very end if you're in that club. Uh, but that means you played hard the entire season, and uh, that's always hard to get into. A couple of guys, and that usually when people say a couple, that usually means three or four, who had 20 or so loaf plays. That's a lot. I I, I don't know. I, I think part of that was for show, so okay. to speak. Yeah. I, I watched the game pretty closely, knowing what he's he's looking for. I don't know if I could find a guy loafing on twenty plays. Yeah, that's that's now what what do they consider a loaf? And a loaf is not really going all out snap to whistle. Mm-hmm. And you know, if 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 you if you're an offensive lineman and you started out your block but you didn't finish it, mm-hmm. that that's a loaf. You know, and, and if you're chasing in pursuit. And you're not going full speed. That's a loaf, mm-hmm. you know. So, if, or if you give up on the play, like I can't get there, I'm I'm going to slow up. You know, that's a loaf. But I, and again, I I don't like using the playing conditions, but I think that has something to do with it too, because your feet get so damn heavy playing in that stuff. Yep. yep. And and uh, you know, it 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 was an interesting game. Uh, the bottom line is that they overcame the mistakes of the first half and the coaching staff made the proper adjustments and they dominated the game in the second half. Indeed. And that brings a lot of confidence. And I'll tell you one thing that really surprised me. It had nothing to do with the game. So, and and I'm sure you saw the clips from the locker room and uh, the guy who awarded the game balls was, was Justin. Yes, I saw that. That is, I've never seen that. Never. In all the years I've been involved in this, I've never seen a player do that. That is remarkable. Yeah, yeah. Great presentation for Eberflus and Ryan Poles uh, on Game Balls. Um, a, a question here from uh, Dented Fender. Interesting question. Is the Eberflus loaf the same as the Lovey loaf? Did Lovey have a loaf or did he point out players who weren't hustling? Actually, oh. it, it was uh, Marinelli who's came in with the loafs. Okay. Lovey preached, you know, playing hard snap to whistle, but I don't recall Lovey using the term loaf. Yeah. Now he could have, I just don't remember it. But when Marinelli came in, that's, I, I remember it then because Marinelli would started it with the defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. And then, and it, and it was primarily on the defensive side of the ball where Flus and Flus probably used it on the defensive side of the ball in Indy last year, but he's carried it over to the offensive side too. Okay. Danger T has a question. He wants to know um, how 
what can you evaluate in a bad weather game? How can you grade the team? And I think that's an excellent question because, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, the offense did this because of that and did this because of that. And are they right or wrong to, uh, you know, criticize the Chicago Bears because the weather was bad? Or does it make it more impressive that they succeeded in bad weather conditions? It's about being able to adapt. And Flu said that too. Mm -hmm. And who adapts better to the conditions? And the Bears adapted better to the conditions. Mm -hmm. San Francisco started off fast and went downhill. The Bears started slow and went uphill. Mm -hmm. So who who did a better job of uh, adapting? Mm -hmm. you know, to the conditions. And that's what it's about. Yeah, indeed. All right. I got one more uh, piece of sound from Iberflus here. And I think uh, you're going to like this because this is on the theme of Lofs. He talked about fundamental breakdowns. Uh, He saw too many for his liking. This is uh, the coach. It's about 50 seconds long. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, every first game when you you look at, you know, let's just pull out uh, tackling. You know, so when the guy tackles, you know, is he is he getting all the way up to the runner? Okay, hitting him with the proper pad level, wrapping and running his feet three hard steps. You know, pulling in the hamstrings and then finishing the tackle. Well, we saw a couple of those yesterday, but we didn't see enough. Um, there was there was some lunging going on. There was some some things going on there. So we have to improve that. And that's typical of the first game. You know, it's like guys finishing blocks. You know, when you finish blocks on the backside, great example of that would have been EQ on the touchdown with Dante Pettis. He finished that block, came all the way across the field and finished, and it was legal. You know, he, he did it a legal way, you know. So, and uh, Dante set it up with a nice stem inside into the pylon. So, um, you know, just things like that. It's just fundamentals, details to that. And we want to get better. See, you saw two loafs in that in the first two plays. Yeah, yeah. And and what they would consider a loaf. And and the second play was Brisker, and Brisker didn't wrap up. In mm-hmm. fact, he kind of short-armed that tackle. Mm-hmm. He was yep. starting to throw his body and throw his arms, and then he brought his arms back. And then Jalen threw his body instead mm-hmm. of hit. And I'll tell you another one. Jackson on the touchdown run by uh, Debo. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, now, hey, granted, Debo runs tough. He <laughs> runs like he's 230. Yes. And and he's 210, 212 pounds and he right. runs hard. And he, that was a good collision at the goal line. But Debo won the collision. But at the same time, Eddie, while well, Eddie did try to hit him good, mm-hmm. Eddie didn't drive through him, didn't wrap up. He just threw his body. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Can you blame that on the conditions? Maybe a little bit, but I, I know exactly where Flus is coming from there. Mm-hmm. And so that that's like three different plays, three different players all would get a loaf for those three plays. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I, I, I love the attention to detail there. Um, George McCaskey, according to Brad Biggs, went into the locker room after the game, which according to Brad, he's – has doesn't recall McCaskey ever attending a locker room uh, after a Bears win and uh, said that, you know, he doesn't know what transpired or what why McCaskey went or anything like that. But it could have been, Briggs speculated, to congratulate the team on what 
why uh, on doing the things that they were hired to do, which is to play hard, eliminate mistakes, all, all of those uh, particulars that motivated him to fire uh, Pace Nagy and, and bring in guys who said they were going to change the culture uh, that existed on this team. Do you, in your time with the Chicago Bears, uh, ever recall a McCaskey coming down into the locker room? Uh, I saw Michael a few times because I'd almost always go into the locker room mm-hmm. after. And um, Jerry seldom did. Um, I always did because I, you know, especially if we won. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted to hear what the coaches had to say when they get the team up around them. That was just interesting to me. Sure. Um, But uh, yeah, I I saw Michael in there a few times. Mm -hmm. Obviously Virginia was never there. Um, But that's, that's it. I never saw Brian or any of the other McCaskies in the locker room. And, you know, George took over the year, you know, that one year I was with George one year and I, I don't recall him in the, in the locker room at all that year. And George is an entirely different personality than Michael was. Mm -hmm. What uh, let's talk now about green Bay and what are your expectations for this game? We we mentioned briefly that the Packers did not look good. Rogers was under consistent pressure. He doesn't seem to have a connection chemistry with any of his wide receivers, even Randall Cobb, who rejoined the team at Rogers' insistence, hasn't really uh, been delivering any key plays. Um, what are the what's the likelihood that the Chicago Bears can go to Green Bay and upset a team that many have picked to win the division? Well, first. You- you got to point out one thing that green Bay was playing shorthanded on the offensive line. Their two starting tackles didn't play. Yeah. That's okay. True. So uh, you had backups in there and those guys were getting beat, but the, the inside guys were getting beat too. Yeah. So um, <laughs> they got problems. <laughs> they do. And, and who knows who's going to play this week? Yeah. You know, you're probably not going to know until Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Uh they're playing at home. I expect Green Bay to be a lot better at home. Uh, we've won up there, though. Mm-hmm. I've been at games where we've we've won up there. I've also been to games up there where we jumped out in front 14 nothing and lost. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's a tough place to play. By the way, when you said we won up there, I heard Bennett in the background howling no, in approval. No, he wasn't. He's sleeping. He's right behind me. <laughs> okay, I'm hearing things. <laughs> no, that no, that was that was the my, my I pushed back on the chair and it's okay. a little bit. The um, yeah, but uh, John Fox went up there and stole a big uh, 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 prime time game from from uh, the uh, Thanksgiving game. I, Thanksgiving, I, I, yes, yes. Because I I had to do the uh, it was. I had to do the the Molly show the next morning, so I had to I had to watch that game, get about two hours sleep, and drive downtown to, you know, do the it was a Molly Hanley show at that time. Okay, and because uh, uh, it's holiday weekend, so they had uh, um, substitutes, and I don't even remember who I did the show with. But I'll tell you, doing a show at five in the morning is tough when you're up watching a game the night before. <laughs> 
Yeah, indeed. CJ Williams asks, uh, you know, Kenny Clark is is the star of that defensive line, uh, and the Packers have some good players. He's that interior offensive lineman who has given the Bears problems in the past. Do you foresee that Tevin Jenkins and uh, Lucas Patrick are going to be on a rotation again? Uh, do you expect a lot of uh, running back help? What do you think is going to happen there? You know, it's interesting. Number one, I think when Patrick is able to snap, He's going back to center. Mm-hmm. And and I, this was in my my column too today. For was it gives the Bears an interesting dilemma, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Actually, and a good one is Mustafer has not played poorly. Mustafer has played good football yes. all preseason and Sunday. Mm-hmm. So um who sits? And you know, Mustafer hasn't played guard since really OTAs because Patrick got hurt like the first day of first day hitting. So the first three days of practice, the first four days of practice was strictly like mini camp and, and OTAs. And then when they got into hitting, he broke his hand and, and you know he was out the door. So Mustafer hasn't really had contact at the guard position. And so do they start playing him back at guard when, when Patrick comes back? I don't know. I think uh, Tevin will get better with every game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he got beat a couple times early, just like Braxton Jones did. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw one stat, I don't know if it was from PFF or something, that said he, he only gave up one pressure. Bullshit. He gave up a lot more than that. He gave up two in the first quarter, for Christ's sake. You know, and, and, um, but that, that's a different story. I just think PFF grades, they, they put out grades. I got to complain about this. They put out grades within two hours of the game. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's the dumbest, most inaccurate, and fans buy into it. Yeah. Oh, so and so graded 89.3. No, he didn't. Do you know how long it takes a coach to grade, mm-hmm. especially the offensive line? At least four hours. Mm-hmm. And now because it, everything's digitized, they, they can do it, you know, if it's on the road, they can they can get part of it done on, on the plane on the way back, and they right. do do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's a lot quicker. It used to be because you didn't get it. Coaches would get in on uh, – if we had a home game, they'd be in the office around 6, 6.30 the next morning. And it was 10.30 before they had that stuff turned in. And then we'd meet at noon and go, you know, it was the personnel staff and the coaching staff and go over all the grades. I know how long it takes. You know, so for somebody to come up with some fictitious grade, it is absolutely impossible. Yeah. Lauren Cox uh, sent out a tweet saying that Roquan Smith was the lowest graded uh, defender on the Chicago Bears team uh, based on PFF's, PFF's uh, grading system. And I just I just retweeted it with no comment because it was I just figured I'll let yeah, they, graded him, they graded him low last year, but he wouldn't he have 158 tackles or something like that. And I'm just throwing the number. I know it was well. I think he had nine or ten on on Sunday mm-hmm. and an almost interception. Mm-hmm. So the guy played damn well. Yes, indeed. Um, all right. Uh, I, I think it was Corey a while ago uh, 
mentioned that he saw a video clip of Tevin Jenkins doing an outstanding uh, play. And I, I saw that same tweet. It's from uh, your buddy, Lester Wolfong. Actually, he's my buddy, too. He's going to be on the Bear Debate show in a couple of Thursdays from now. But I'm going to show you that video. Uh, Greg, let me cue it up here. And I think I know the one you're talking about where he hits to the inside and then goes to the outside. He's his head is on a swivel looking for yep. Bosa, even though his initial block is not Bosa. It's it's really fantastic. Let me see if I can blow this thing up here. I guess I can. No, that's just that's just smart play. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and, and it's not it's smart, it's awareness. Mm-hmm. He's showing very good awareness and that. You know, and he's he he knows he stymied his guy, mm-hmm. and so then he goes over to help the tackle. Outstanding. Because see, the center look at the the center's coming over to help him a little bit. Yep. Exactly. You know, so he's that frees him up to help with Bosa, and then that leaves uh, Fields with a clean pocket. Hmm. Yeah, I, I love how he, he. You know, I think this is planned, right? I. Uh, Initial block goes to Tevin, and then Mustafa comes over. Well, yeah, because he's going to do the boot. Right. And uh, down goes Bosa. Not literally, but uh, – oh, yeah, literally. <laughs> down goes Bosa. Down goes Bosa. I love it. Thank you, Lester Wolfong, for sharing that, and Corey for mentioning that. All right, so back to Green Bay. Uh, the, one of the things that I am concerned about, and, and we talked a little bit about their defensive line, is just the overall defense. And while they had a poor game uh, for their opener, they've got some outstanding they've got some out, outstanding cornerbacks on that team. That's going to be a real challenge for the Bears wide receivers. And what do you take out of the fact that the Niners effectively shut down the Bears' three biggest offensive weapons? Darnell Mooney. Cole Komet. I, I, I don't know if the Niners did or the weather did. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Because, you know, the same thing could be said for the 49ers receivers. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of passing. There, there was a couple big plays on both sides. Right. You know, there was a crossing route that San Francisco got a, uh, a big gain on where, and actually I think Brisker made the mistake where, the TV people blame Vildor, but I think as the guy was crossing, Brisker was supposed to pick him up. Yeah. It was late picking him up and Vildor, Vildor kept following. Mm. And, you know, you and I don't have the answer to that. The coaching staff will. And when they see that, they'll make the, the, the correction with the players. Mm-hmm. You know, so he sees that the player will see it on tape and he'll see the mistake that he made. Now, on the other side of that is that, you know, Green Bay's watching that. So they may and, – and San Francisco offense, the Green Bay offense, and the Minnesota offense are pretty much and, – and Chicago's now too – are pretty much the same concept, same schemes, same terminology. So it's – but Green Bay will see that, so don't be surprised if you see them try to run something similar. Mm, okay. Okay, um, and then see how – the Bears DBs react to it. Okay. Now on the other side of the ball, uh, the Bears defense, uh, talk to me about the play of Eddie Jackson. Uh, He's got his interception. Uh, It appears that they are going to utilize him in a way that's more applicable to his skills, play more center field. Did you see sort of the same thing that I did? Yeah. Again, I I don't think you're going to see everything the way you want because, and I go keep going back, but because of field conditions, 
you know, so everybody was slower and, and more sluggish than they normally would be on a dry field. Mm-hmm. So it, they, what they did is they hustled and they played hard. Hey, Eddie, Eddie made some mistakes. They all made some mistakes, but they came up, you know, the, the interior of the defensive line was not as strong in the first quarter as they were the entire second half. Mm-hmm. And, and the guy they picked up, I can't think of, what's his name? Watts. They picked up from, Oh um, my goodness. He, he played well, but it's easier for a guy to come in on defense off the street. And he wasn't off the street. He was with Minnesota all preseason, but to come in and play than it is for an offensive player, especially if the terminology is different. Now, Coming, they get they got the receiver from Minnesota. He did play three snaps. I don't know if it was just special teams or what, but he did play three or four snaps. And it's if the terminology that, from my understanding anyway, is that you know Connell coming from L.A. is using the same. You know, it's not all that Shanahan stuff. So yeah. a lot of the terminology is the same, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be that hard for him to to pick up because he was in it all off season with Minnesota. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's turn to some questions. we got a few here. Uh, Ryan. We gotta talk. One thing we got to talk about is the refs. The referee. I thought, yeah, all told, I thought they called a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they screwed the bears on that field goal. That was a five yard penalty. It should not have been a 15 yard penalty. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's in the rule book, five yard penalty. Didn't know that. Wow, good point. Yeah, and and um, and then somebody tried to make an exception and said, "Well, the rule book says a six by eight cloth, and that was a bigger than six by eight cloth." Well, I, so what if it was a little bigger? It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. The rule book doesn't say, "Well, if it's seven by nine, it's fifteen yards instead of." You know, he was just drying off the, the field. Yeah. Um, probably something he didn't know. He knows now. And, he you know, he's not going to do it again. He could do it with his hands. But because he used a, a foreign object, that's what the penalty was. But if it was five yards, they still get to at least attempt the field goal. Mm-hmm. And that was the first half. And the, and the field conditions were a lot better in the first half than they were in the second half when Santos missed the two extra points. Yeah. You worried about Santos at all? No. Just one of those games. Everyone, every kicker has them once in a while, especially on their back. Uh, I'll tell you what, kickers as a whole had a bad weekend. <laughs> that is so a lot, true. A lot of, a lot of bad kicking going on. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> all right. Our first question, Ryan, two, three, two, three, three. He's asking you who are the who are the best starting five for the offensive line. Uh, I think you've already kind of clued us in on your thinking on that. Yeah, uh, Jones, Whitehair, Patrick, Jenkins, Borm. Yeah, it's going to be a test for uh, Patrick to unseat Sam Mustafer. <laughs> no, he was brought, they gave him money. He was brought in, and, and if you watch him, go put on Green Bay tape last year. He started thirteen or fourteen games at center. He played really, really well. Yeah, and to have him alongside uh, Tevin Jenkins with that mean streak both of those guys have, that'll be uh, – And he is one – I'll tell you one thing. Patrick is a stout son of a gun now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he only weighs maybe 315, 312, but you don't move him. 
Bear Truth 9 asks, does Greg like that Gibson and Robinson played edge and defensive tackle? Yeah. No, I, I, I thought that during the year that there'd be pass rush situations where they put somebody inside. And, and um, I thought it might be Gibson because he's a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's played, you know, some five technique when he was at uh, Tulsa. So the idea is get your best pass rushers in there on those obvious pass situations mm-hmm. and let them win with speed. They're not going to win with power. Mm-hmm. Let him win with speed. The guy who surprised me is because I didn't expect anything from him this year mm-hmm. is the rookie. Right. He, yeah. he, damn, I mean, he just, that move he did on Mike McGlinchey, Mike McGlinchey is a pretty damn good tackle. Mm-hmm. You know, the outside in move, he, he clubbed him, he moves, he comes inside, then he drags down Lynch with one hand. That was impressive. Indeed. And and that it showed his upper body strength. Now, I think he did 26 reps, which means back in February, he was about a 410-pound bench press guy. That's what that equates to, 405 to 410 pounds. Okay. Guarantee he's stronger now. But the grip strength, too, was excellent. And when you think that this guy, is, this is only his third season playing on defense, and he's still learning how to play the position, mm-hmm. he's, the ceiling on this guy is way up here. Yeah, how about that? And I know we talked about Dominique Robinson earlier in the show, but his ceiling has to be way up high too. Bear Truth Nine says he came in late and wanted to know what your comments. That's what were. I'm talking about, Robinson. Oh, I thought you were talking about uh, Braxton. My apologies. No, no, talking about uh, Dominique Robinson. The rook. I said the rookie. I mean, he, he, um, just some of the stuff he did was was, and. I thought he'd be like an afterthought being, you know, you look at his experience. Yes. He had the athletic numbers were fantastic, but only two years playing and at the Mac level, it's not like he played in the sec or the big 10 or something like that. He played at the Mac level. And then to come into a pro camp was really as a very raw inexperienced defensive lineman and to make an impact in his first pro game. That that's incredible. Sensational. J2K says that we didn't get a ton of sacks, but I saw a lot of pressure. This pass rush seems to want to contain more than last year. Do you see the same? And is constant pressure better than a few sacks? I'll tell you, remember Greg Blotch? Yes, I was talking about him yesterday. <laughs> Greg, Greg would, you know, he, he might have an orgasm over pressure. <laughs> That's right. Uh, he loved pressures, but, and, and lovey loves sacks. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll, I'll take sacks because you, you lose yardage. Yes. And a down. Okay. So, and pressures, if it, turns into an incomplete pass. If it's an interception, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But if it's an incomplete pass, you didn't lose any yardage on it. So that, you know, they're living another day. Um, don't forget, they might've blitzed one time. If that. Yes. Right. All game. I think I saw Roquan coming in once mm-hmm. and they're, they're just rushing They're They're putting seven in the coverage and rushing with four and 
they got something out of it. Mm-hmm. Now against Aaron Rodgers, you're going to do the same thing. Who knows? You know, they're going to plan things. I'd, I'd really like to, you know, I'm sure the Colts played Green Bay while Flus was there at least once. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see what his game, you know, go find that game and, and, and watch it. And I, you know, I've got all those tapes from the uh, uh, all access NFL all access. So cool. that, that'd be interesting to watch just to see how he defended them last year. And, and it's probably not going to be a lot different than what they did this week against San Francisco. Cause there's not a big difference in the offenses. Yeah. Right. Cody has a question and says he wants your thoughts on the running styles of Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery going into that Packers game. Who might be used more based on what the Vikings did to that Packer run defense? Well, Herbert had the better stats. Mm-hmm. They're different kind of runners. You know, Herbert's a little bit smaller, a little quicker and faster. Um, Monty's more of a power guy. Uh, there were some better holes there, to, in, in fairness, for Herbert than, than Monty saw when he was in there. I think you're going to see the same thing. There's going to be a rotation there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's a good thing. Really, you know, you don't need the bell cow anymore. And if you can get complimentary blocks or runners, you're better off. It gives the it, it makes things harder for the defense because they've got to react differently to different styles. Mm-hmm. When you have a fresh David Montgomery, a lead in the fourth quarter, and a fresh David Montgomery, that is huge because you got a tired defense and he's going to blast people, break tackles, ball control. I think that's the formula uh, when you got a guy like David Montgomery. Keep him fresh for that fourth quarter. Well, you know, there's going to come a time and, you know, this past Sunday wasn't it, but Ebner's going to get in there too. Mm-hmm. And Ebner's got a skill set that is unique that the other two don't have. Indeed. How about that? He's got more speed mm-hmm. and he's a, probably a better receiver than both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, you could put him in into some slot situations and stuff and, and, you know, create some mismatches. So I think that stuff's coming. Uh, whether it was in the books for last week and then literally washed out, who knows? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Swanky's got a good one here. He says, "How do you feel? Do you feel like it would be better to get Montgomery in the I formation and run downhill with Montgomery to set up play action and boots for Justin?" You know, the reason I think that's a good question is because I was surprised that we didn't see more I formation and the use of the four back fullback in a game like. Sundays with the conditions the way they were. Um, your thoughts on that? You know, it, it is a good question. I um, I don't know if they'd actually do it as an I or do it as an offset mm-hmm. type of situation. But, um, you know, I think part of it is you, you're looking at what the defense is doing. And so then you got to, you know, you make your, your – like I said, I think the game plan gets thrown out of the window once you get to a game like that, and then it's just, you know, you're almost you got to improvise the entire game. The I, I think 
you know, you would have seen things differently had you had normal game conditions. Mm-hmm. I think under conditions, they did what they thought was best. I, you know, I thought they ran the ball too much on first down because they just weren't getting anything. And then they were getting behind schedule and that made it tougher for uh, Justin. Mm-hmm. Now in the second half, they moved the ball better and that made it, as you notice, it made things a lot easier for everybody. Mm-hmm. Look at this. I got a question, uh, Greg. First time, I think, in the history of GTF, <laughs> someone asked me a question. Was I surprised that they didn't use the fullback in those conditions? Yeah, that's what I said earlier. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm shocked that the fullbacks didn't get, you know, 10 more snaps at least. Well, he was in there some plays. I saw him in there. But, but um, yeah, I, you know, you'd have to ask Getsy. Yeah. You know, and, and, and see what his thinking is. Like I said, I think what was actually planned and what happened are two different things. Mm-hmm. Indeed. All right. Let's go to another question here. Uh, Nomad. Uh, and I'm going to combine these two questions here. Uh, both of them are from Nomad. Does Greg think uh, like him uh, think that green Bay is right for the picking this week? And he asks, uh, Oh, actually uh, it's the other, this other person, how much do bear players take into account the I own you comments? That one's from Ryan two, three, three. So do you think the Packers are ripe for the picking this week? And do you think that the, there's extra motivation with these bear players based on Aaron Rodgers' cocky statement last year when he told the fans, I own you. Well, you know, it's clipboard material. Mm-hmm. Uh, these coaches, the regime, they don't, you know, they, they're not even going to think about it. And um, I, I like the f- way Floos handles things. And then he said, I don't worry about them. I worry about us. Yep. Yep. In fact, I, I have that matter what they do. It's what we do. Yeah. It's 20 seconds. Listen to this. Focusing on us. I, I don't look at it that way. I really just focus on our process and what we want to get done and how we want to improve every single week. Uh, to me, if you start looking at other things that are outside your control, um, we control the controllables and we stay our course in what we want to get done. And uh, we're writing our book and we're turning our pages and uh, we're going to do that one game at a time. Another one on the left column. He's throwing out, he's throwing out the noise. Yeah. And so, now, will the players know? But yes, players know. Players that were here last year know about it. Mm-hmm. And will they talk about it a little bit? Probably. Mm-hmm. You know, more so in the locker room than than in in the game. But they're going to see that tape. They're going to see the weaknesses. Now, do I expect Green Bay to bounce back? Yeah, because regardless if he's an an ass or not, Aaron Rodgers is a damn good quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the best in the game. And he's they're playing at home. They always play tough at home. It's their home opener. They're coming off a loss. It's a division loss. Mm-hmm. You know, they lose this game. They're 0-2 in the division. That's huge. Um, so there's a lot of things that are going to pump up Green Bay. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I think the Bears – Stayed relatively healthy going into game two. They're coming off a win. They got confidence. And they won two games on the road in the preseason, so they know they can do it. One of them, they went, you know, halfway across the country to get a win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. 
All right. So uh, everyone was excited that you predicted the Bears to beat the 49ers. Um, and everyone is on the edge of their seats to see if you've got a prediction for this upcoming game. You care to uh, you care to forecast? Uh, not yet. Okay. I, I, I want to see how practice goes this week. I want to see the injury report from from Green Bay. All right. Because uh, yeah. Rodgers had a neck injury during that game. Well, I guarantee you he was sore on, on yesterday. Mm hmm. And probably still sore today. Mm -hmm. You know, I I was a running back, and you know, you come out of a tough game, and and it's like a good two sometimes into that third day before the bumps feel a little bit better. Mm -hmm. You know, and and you're real tight when you start to run, and you're sore. So. Yeah, uh, that's, that's why I like to practice the day after. Have have like a just like a not really a practice, but more of a conditioning thing the day right. after a game, just to work out that stuff. Yeah, I and mean, or get into that uh, ice cold tub with tons of ice in it, right? And you know, I'll tell you another thing that, that this different with Flus from Lovey and Nagy. I don't know what Tressman and Fox did, but if you won on Sunday, it was Victory Monday, and you didn't come in. Mm. Oh, interesting. Well, Eberflus had the players come in yesterday. Right, they watched uh, some film. They they gave out their awards and they gave out their loaf awards. <laughs> so that was the must. Oh, that, no, that's not loaf awards. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, I was trying to think what's the appropriate word. The loaf. Uh, I don't know what. Yeah, I gotta go back. I, I started talking about the refs, and there's one other thing because this one bugged me. Okay, it was an obvious call they didn't call. Mm -hmm. And it was in the second half. I think it was the second half, but it was a obvious intentional grounding call on Lance mm -hmm. where he got pressured and mm -hmm. rolled to his right. So he was out of the tackle box. Line of scrimmage was the 25 yard line. Mm -hmm. He threw the ball. The ball hit the ground at the 19 yard line. I tweeted out it was the 22, and then when I watched it this morning, it was the 19. So the ball hit the ground six yards behind the line of scrimmage, and nobody but an offensive lineman anywhere near there. That is intentional grounding. If you're outside the tackle box and you throw the ball, the ball has to go beyond the line of scrimmage, and he was six yards short of the line of scrimmage. Interesting. Well, I do got to tell you this. I think the Bears got more uh, calls than the 49ers. Would you agree with that? I thought the 49ers were, were flagged for some calls that were at best doubtful. Um, um, the, the only one that I would call doubtful was the um, offensive pass interference, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which was a little iffy. Right. Um, but after that, that you know, they, I, I, I didn't see any problem with the other ones. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you, Cody. He has given us the proper way uh, to uh, call those loafs. Those are loaf citations. I like that. There's a kind of uh, a police. Ticket? That kind of like a ticket? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's got a law enforcement quality. I wonder if they got to pay into the kitty. Uh, the kitty. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, another great show. Uh, Greg, before we leave, uh, any other thoughts regarding their play against the 49ers or regarding this coaching staff and organization or regarding the upcoming game against Green Bay that you want to share with us? And then we'll pull the plug on this edition of BTF. Well, I, I'm not going to get too high because I, I still don't, you know, I don't think this is a playoff team. I, I think that this is a eight win, maybe lucky and go nine and seven, but win team that they, they don't have the players yet to do that. But, and, but this is a, this was a game that, everybody had down as an L mm-hmm. just about, except yeah. me. And uh, I, I just think that, that okay, now you, and th- there's games in there that are, people are going to have as W's. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one, I'll tell you one thing, uh, Houston comes up here in a few weeks. Houston played the Colts damn well, but that was down in Houston. How are mm-hmm. they going to react coming up here? It'll be a different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that will be a different story. Well, I can't wait uh, uh, for Sunday night football, Green Bay Packers hosting the Chicago Bears. And if anything uh, huge uh, happens this week, I will uh, bug Greg and see if we can pop in for at least 30 minutes to talk about that news. Will do. Greg Gabriel, uh, it is always fun and educational to talk to you. Uh, uh, Fun and info is one of the bylines of the Barroom Network, and Greg delivers that. And we'll have – more fun uh, later tonight with Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls and uh, women from the uh, Bears Girls podcast uh, joining us. So hopefully uh, those of you who are live in the chat, we've got uh, 340 people uh, live in the chat. Uh, great attendance and many more. We will be watching this on demand. Thank you all for, uh, for uh, hanging out with us. And uh, until next time, we will uh, talk Stay to you. Out for a minute. I want to talk to you for a second. You got it, brother.